I'm Andrew Norton, and this is Completely Optional Knowledge. So Hyla Johnson is the host of a YouTube cooking show called Hyla Cooking. It's a PG-13 cooking show for adults who need to learn the basics, <laughs> would be the most concise way I could put it. <laughs> and like everyone else you hear at the start of this show, Hyla has a question for us. Okay, my question. Do animals have eating contests like humans do? So do any other animals out there just in the wild participate in eating contests like we see, you know, humans with hot dogs and stuff like that? Right. And I can also see that maybe some animals do because like, you know, you have to eat when the food's available. So you better just like eat as much as possible. Right. But that's a little different than the human aspect of eating contests where it's like you're proving that you're like macho or something. It's weird. Why are you curious about such a question? Are you are you an eating contest fan? I actually don't like eating contests. To me, they're like really gross and gluttonous. I think they have it like in Coney Island, right? They're the famous uh-huh. uh, hot dog eating contest. Uh, and, and they don't even put the whole hot dog in their mouth. They like dip the bun in water so that they can just swallow it. And then they just jam the hot dog in their mouth. I've seen that. It like compacts it so they don't have to chew it. And it takes up less room in their stomach. I'm just like, you guys are making food sound so horrible. <laughs> and my guess is that humans are the only animals that are like dumb enough to do that. It's interesting to hear you say it because you're not like a a snob when it comes to food. I'm not like farm to table and like savor every bite. <laughs> I mean, I've wolfed down a few hot dogs in my life. And you do have a corn dog recipe. Oh, and I love the shit out of corn dogs. Hyla, I'm happy to tell you this marks the first time on this podcast that someone said the phrase, I love the shit out of corn dogs. <laughs> So, you know, I think we set a new benchmark here, Hyla. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> I'm Andrew Norton, and this is Completely Optional Knowledge. Brought to you by Greenpeace. Ask, inquire, seek the truth. The show where we take questions that make you go, huh? And we try and make you be like, oh... Completely Optional Knowledge is presented by Greenpeace. Help us out by texting the word knowledge to 877-877 and fill out their really quick listener survey. Elise Houchard studies the evolution of mammalian societies at the National Center for Scientific Research in France. And just judging by how dense that sentence is, she knows a lot. So Elise, today we're talking about animals and eating contests. So let's just get this right out of the way. What's your record for the most hot dogs you've eaten in 60 seconds? Do you have a personal best? No, I've never, never, ever tried that. And I think I would <laughs> never, ever try that myself. Well, I'm vegetarian to start with, so like hot dogs wouldn't be the right thing to eat. So we got you on the phone here to answer the question. We're curious today, do animals have eating contests? And you recently did a study about meerkats that sheds some light on this question. I was hoping you could tell us a bit about that. But to start, what is a meerkat? Uh, a meerkat is a small carnival uh, that lives in southern Africa. They live in groups, so it's a social animal. It's mostly scorpions. That their favorite food. Uh, they tend to be very charismatic because they're very pretty and they have this habit of standing <laughs> in the desert, uh, like on their two legs. Well, that's, that's funny. I mean, we haven't even gotten into answering our questions and meerkats are already fascinating. I mean, even you just telling me that they eat mainly scorpions, that to me is like, wow, don't mess with these because scorpions do not look easy to hunt, kill or eat. They've also got a special type of society, which is called like a cooperative 
breeding society. It's a society where only the dominant couple in a group uh, breeds. So only the dominant female and the dominant male. And then all the other members of the group, they're going to help them to rear the offspring, uh, like babysitting the pups when they are newborn, for example. Wow. Uh, they might catch scorpions and then offer them to the pups. And then finally, I think another intriguing cooperative behavior is they play sentinel behavior. So they warn the other group members when a predator is coming nearby. Wow, so they got watchtowers almost. Exactly, exactly. It sounds like this almost idyllic place to live where everyone's looking after each other and they're babysitting and they're looking out for each other. Such an interesting species. Actually, there's the other side of the coin, which I haven't mentioned too much. But the fact that only the dominant couple breeds, obviously, is the result of an intense competition. So they're very cooperative until they're not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, for example, if the body next female becomes pregnant, then she's going to kick her out from the group. And quite often, this body next female will have to go by herself in the desert. If she managed to give birth, then her pups might be killed by the dominant female. Wow. So let me get this straight. So there's this idea of cooperative breeding wherein only a selected couple has the offspring in a group of meerkats and all the other meerkats help out and raise this kid and look after the group by having lookouts and finding food. But if you're a female and you're not, you know, one of the selected couples, you're kicked out of the group and, and potentially your kid is killed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. And part of that competition and part of the reason why we got you on the phone today actually has to do with eating, right? Yeah, exactly. So obviously animals do not have formal eating competition. <laughs> There's no stopwatches? <laughs> but what meerkats do is try to grow as big and as fast as possible to ensure that they're larger than their main competitors. Why do they do that? So subordinates basically form a queue. So a queue, you mean like a, a lineup, right? Exactly. Okay. A breeding queue. So it's basically when a dominant female dies, the subordinate that's like first in the queue is going to inherit her position as a dominant female in the group. Wow. And so all the females in the group try to be in that lucky position to be the one that inherits the breeding position if it becomes free. And the social hierarchy is, is very much based on weight. So it's, it's an eating contest in the sense of they're trying to put on as much weight as possible because that helps them become dominant, right? Yeah, exactly. And what we recently discovered is that animals, they, they really can keep track very closely of the size of their main competitor. So basically, when the individual starts to grow very rapidly and they feel challenged, they start to eat more and to ingest more food to boost their own growth and to avoid being overtaken. Wow. And the way, like how we showed that, basically the way we did, is we identified couples of little brothers same age and nearly the same size at the beginning of the experiment. In each case, one was slightly bigger than the other. And we started to feed the lighter one by giving him hard-boiled eggs. So we just fed, fed this guy massively. And what we wanted to know is whether he would manage to match that artificial growth. So you had these uh, siblings and one of them you'd give these hard-boiled eggs to, which is like jackpot for a meerkat, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's like big hot dog for them. No, exactly. So what you wanted to find out was, is the sibling who wasn't being artificially fed by you guys, is he going to be like, hey, my brother's bulking up. I got to catch up here. Exactly, precisely. And we could show that uh, the sibling who was challenged uh, by its fed brother or fed sister started to put on more weight than controlling individuals. So that means that basically the the challenged individual was able to identify the fact that its sibling started to grow uh, unusually fast and then to match for this growth by managing to ingest more foods compared to what they normally do. 
And that was really a bit of a surprise because we usually assume that wild animals always eat as much as they can, basically, that they, they're struggling to feed themselves. So you went into this knowing, okay, wild animals are going to meet, eat as much as they can, when they can, because, you know, they don't know when their next meal is coming, especially if they're carnivores. Exactly. But what you're seeing is that they're actually pushing themselves because they want to weigh more than the next in their group so that they can become dominant quicker. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. They're spending more time trying to get food together as opposed to maybe just a few times a day. They're instead kind of foraging or looking for food all day, right? Yeah, I suspect that might be the case, actually. And I think also when other individuals are looking for food, quite often they take breaks and they're just like um, have little siesta in the sun or they play a little bit. <laughs> right off the top of this, you said you're a vegetarian, no go on the hot dogs. I understand that. So if you suddenly had the appetite of a meerkat, what would be your go-to food? What food would you go for? Uh, good cheese, I think, is probably something that I like very much. <laughs> In the back of my head, maybe I'm just being stereotypical, but I'm like, France, good cheese, some bread. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably eating a baguette right now, aren't you? Uh, well, no, not right now, but I mean, it does happen <laughs> regularly. Yeah, it's not uncommon. <laughs> Any recipe ideas coming to mind after hearing this? Scorpion pops. (laughs) I'm not really afraid of bugs generally, but scorpions are one that are, I mean, they're just scary looking. That made me instantly think they're much more badass animals that they're eating scorpions. Yeah, totally. Yeah, meerkat sounds like such a cute little thing. But uh, man, just snacking on scorpions. That's pretty awesome. But I think it is interesting how you kind of said that eating contests for humans are almost a little bit of like showing off of macho-ness, right? And that's a little bit what the meerkats do, too. I don't know. I haven't really known any like professional eating contest people, but it's like they don't really actually want to get super fat from eating 800 hot dogs. They just want to be able to eat 800 hot dogs and get a blue medal or something. <laughs> Ribbon. <laughs> A gold medal tied on a blue ribbon. Uh, whereas the meerkats like want to get big for a purpose to like actually be the boss. I was surprised mostly that it was meerkats. I guess I would have expected that if another species did that, it would be more of like the hominid species, like chimpanzees or something. Well, you just you just dropped a big word there. I'm not even sure that's the right word. <laughs> Sounds right. Um, but uh, yeah, I would have thought it would be like a monkey or something. Right. Or even like an animal that we think of as like gluttonous, like a hippo or a pig or something like that. Right? Or a sloth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Completely Optional Knowledge is presented by Greenpeace. And unlike other podcast sponsors, they don't want to try and sell you a mattress or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that. They just want to get to know you. So text the word knowledge to 877-877 and fill out the quick listener survey. It's really easy and you'll be helping support the show. Our producer is JP Davidson. Breakmaster Cylinder created our theme music and I'm Andrew Norton. Visit completelyoptionalknowledge.org to hear more episodes, to subscribe, and to, of course, ask your questions. Because we can't make this show unless we know what you're curious about. You can also call 202-697-6912 and leave us a voicemail with your questions or feedback. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks with more Completely Optional Knowledge. And hey, do us a favor. If you do subscribe to the show, give us one of those ratings on iTunes, man. They really, really help us. And if you have already, you know, tell a friend. Tell someone on Facebook about this podcast. 